Hi friends, it's Faith and welcome to The Faith Show. I just wanted to remind you guys to follow the Instagram at The Faith Show Podcast so that you can tell me what you want talked about on the show and also who you might want to see on the show because I'm always open to interviewing and talking to new guests. I also want you guys to know that my posting schedule is every Monday, so there'll be a new episode every Monday posted at 12.25 p.m. So let's get started on today. Today is a solo episode, which means that there will be no one else being interviewed, and it's just me. And this week's topic is me and my story. Before I talk about my story. I wanted to do like a little life update. I wanted to just let you guys know that I've started therapy and it's really amazing. It's been a little different from what I imagined though because it's the first time I've ever been in therapy and it's different because I think a part of me thought that all my problems would be solved right away the moment I went to therapy and it's not like that. It's my therapist and I sitting there for an hour and her validating the feelings that I've had and being like, oh my gosh, you did feel this, and I'm so sorry, and oh, this person did say that, and that's not right, and really validating my feelings, which I don't do for myself, so that was really encouraging and really nice. I have been able to make some progress in my healing, and I'm really happy about that, but I know it's going to take time, but I want to encourage everyone to go to therapy, because I think it'll help you to get proper coping tools and I think it's really great and just some more background information on me and I think it's this story is a big part of who I am but it's always kind of like hard to bring it up in conversation so I kind of just wanted to record it to let you guys know and also for myself I think it's healthy and it'll be helpful for me anyways let's get into me when I think about my hobbies um I always think it includes people because I really love people and I love talking to people and doing things with people and honestly I feel it's my purpose in life is to communicate with people and to just really love them and hear their stories. I also love thrifting and trying new food places and I used to really love playing sports too. I played soccer for eight years and field hockey for three but I can't do them anymore, so the only sports I can do now is surfing and snowboarding, as well as pickleball, which I really love, but it's hard that I can't play my sports anymore. Um, Here's some just background about me. For those of you who don't know me, I grew up in a Christian home. Both my parents are heavily involved in the church, and are actually, my dad is a pastor, and my mom is uh, the young adult director. And my earliest memories are in church. And I really loved it. I really enjoyed seeing my friends at church, getting to memorize Bible verses and getting little pins and gifts for that, like Awana. It was really fun. But through 6th through 12th grade, I had a lot of ups and downs in life. With my friends, parents, and school, I actually got bullied a lot. Social media in person, always felt like I didn't belong, was always excluded. And I kind of thought that's just the rest of the way the rest of my life was going to go. I was just going to survive through it. And that was it. I wasn't going to be treated well. I wasn't going to be cherished. And I had little good moments here and there where I felt 
like I belonged. I felt, oh, like it's gonna get better. And it was for like a period of time, but always just problem after problem. I was feeling it. I would feel light at retreats, the spiritual high, where I was like, yes, Jesus, I need you. I want you. I'm going to chase after you. But then it would go away because when I got home, I would just be faced again with hardships of school and friend drama or not feeling like I belonged or different things like that. And so Jesus would always go on the back burner. I knew Jesus, but I didn't actively pursue a relationship with him. And I was going to go, I thought going to church and serving was enough, but there is a big difference. The difference is where your heart is. In 1 Samuel 12, 24, it says to be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. I lost sight of the good things God had done for me, and I only saw the bad. And because I didn't really know him, I didn't really fear him. I was a lukewarm Christian because I was not productive in my faith. And I did not know that, and I, real, and I realized this a few, like a year or two ago. When I got to Biola, though, it really opened my eyes. Because as a pastor's kid, I had always gotten my badges for Awana. I thought I knew the Bible. I was wrong. I knew such a small percentage of the truth. I knew such a small percentage of the Lord because I knew only what I had learned on Sundays or Friday nights at youth group. I also just kind of want to mention to you guys that I was in the class of 2020, so I didn't get a graduation, and my first year was fully online of Biola, but I still was able to grasp so much. Um, But I also, in this time, was also at such a low. I felt isolated, and because I'm an extrovert, it was really, really hard. I was like, is this going to be what the rest of my life looks like? Just no friends, no anything. But I think my relationship with God was starting to mend a little bit, though, because I did start hanging out with um, good sisters in Christ from my home church, and it was really good because we'd hang out and I'd do weekly devos with them but I still felt kind of an imposter syndrome and not knowing like they were actively pursuing Christ and I didn't know like how to get there or what that meant and I think it was intimidated so I didn't even know how to start um because something in me wasn't fully all in for Christ I think some of us may feel that way that oh we're not in all in for Christ but I think that Honestly, for me, just a side note, was like really starting devos and also thinking about the things I consumed as in like movies, music, books I read. Um, And now I really am aware of this and I also really like to journal to self-reflect. So that's just a side thing I really recommend for you guys to do and I can always talk about that on another episode. But um, I just didn't know how to go all in for Christ. I saw people around me all in for Christ, but I was just, I think I didn't really want that, or I didn't know how to get that. I thought it was kind of too late, and maybe this where I was at was good enough, um, but as I mentioned, I took one step forward and two steps back. When I started working at a restaurant, that's where it really got bad. Second semester of college, I was online, so I was like, I'm going to get a job at a restaurant I really love. It's really great, honestly. It's a delicious place, but... Um, It started off as a good thing, 
as I got to interact with customers and I got to talk to people, which I felt like was what God wanted me to be. And I was also making really good pay, so I didn't have to worry about money anymore. anymore. But it all changed when I became a server. Because when I started serving, that's where my identity was really found. I said I would never work Sundays. I would go to church, then I started working on Sundays. Because I was like, the, the pay was so good. I would start picking up people's shifts. So one time, to be full-time, I think you have to hit 40 hours. One day, one week, I hit 39 which I thought was absolutely insane because I was also doing school and all these other things. Um, but I liked it. I was like hooked on it. It was like drugs, I feel like. I would get hit on by customers and I had never been hit on before. At, like in high school, no one liked me. I didn't really have, like no one was interested in it. No boys liked me. So I would go to work So I was like, oh, I feel like I would get numbers. People would give me their numbers. I would get really good tips, and that's where I found my identity and my validation and my worth. This all changed, though, when my family went to Hawaii in June 2021, and that's where my life was changed forever. June 15th was just like any other day for me. I was on vacation with my family. I was having so much fun. I got to go snorkeling with them. We got to go just eat such good food. Um... And on June 15th, we were supposed to go surfing, which I was really happy about. I had surfed probably four times before that, um, just in Mexico, also in Hawaii another previous time, and I loved it. I was like, yes, I get to go again. This is my favorite thing, to one of my favorite things. I don't get to do it as often, but I love surfing. And it was my parents' first time, but I was like, oh, I got this. This is my first time. This is my first time at the rodeo. Like, I got this. I'm going to stand up. It's going to be super easy and good. Well, we went out and we were paddling and the waves were pretty small, actually. But it was just really nice to be out. Um, and when I went to push up, I somehow, to like stand up for the wave, I somehow tweaked my back. And I felt it like a tweak and it hurt so bad but um it started growing more intense and there was more pain but I kept surfing because I loved it so much and then towards the end we were paddling back and I was just in absolute pain um it had been a pain I never felt before the instructor I remember him telling me he was like oh, it's just cramping. You're using muscles that you never used before. I was like, no, this is something different. Um, while I was paddling back, though, I had to pee really bad. So I'm going to be honest, I did a little pee in the ocean. But unbeknownst to me, that was going to be the last time I peed by myself in three, four weeks. Um, so my parents and I, so I was like, my back hurts really, really bad. I don't know what to do. And... My mom was like, it's okay, I have, like, painkillers at the hotel. And we were at Waikiki. And so they're like, well, just walk back. You'll take the pain meds. It'll be okay. You're going to be okay. And I was like, no, it hurts so bad at this point. I was just, like, in such pain. I cannot describe the type of pain I felt. I've been knocked in the face with, like, field hockey sticks, gotten black eyes, and been pushed and pummeled by girls in soccer but nothing compares to this pain because it's nerve damage it's I just, it was a spinal cord injury and I had no idea so my parents we were just walking back to our hotel 
and they were like supporting me like little crutches and I just remember I was like I can't do it anymore I can't my legs just felt like rocks like boulders and I couldn't lift them anymore and so I was like I'm just gonna rest daddy can you get me a wheelchair and my dad was like okay and so I was resting on this rock and that was the last time that I would walk for a month um and it was it was scary I didn't know what was happening I didn't know what was going on I just know my back really hurt and I couldn't lift my legs anymore um So then my dad gets me a wheelchair and they just go into parent mode. They're like, we're going to go get you a wheelchair and um, I'm going to pull up the car and we'll just go to the hospital. Because I was like, I can't, it hurts so bad. And I remember sitting in the car on my way to the hospital and I texted my friends. I texted my friends that I've been hanging out with from back home from my church. And I texted my best friend Genevieve and I texted her. Them both. I don't know what's going on. My back really hurts. I'm going to the hospital. I'm going to the emergency room right now. Please pray for me. And that was so scary. Um, so my dad pulls up to the emergency room and thank God they let me right in. And I'm leaning there and I'm just staring at the ceiling and I'm like, what is happening? Um, it was, I don't know what was happening. I, I remember I was in shock. So you know what I did? I posted a little Snapchat story. I was like, in the hospital at Hawaii at Kaiser because I thought I was going to be out. I thought it was just, I'm going to take some pill that's going to make me better. Not the case. I did not go outside after that for two weeks. Um, and so finally the emergency doctor comes in and he's like, okay, take this medicine. I take it, the painkiller's in so my back doesn't hurt anymore. And he's like, okay, can you get up and walk? And I was like, I cannot get up and walk. That's, I can't do it. And he was like, come on, like, just, I just need to see. And I was like, I can't do it. I'm not, I'm not playing with you. I cannot get up. And so, but he's like, let me try. And I scoot my legs over, literally carry my legs over to him. And then I try to stand up and I just collapse. I collapse in his arms. And he's like, oh, sorry that I didn't believe you. Uh, funny. And then at this time... It was probably like 10 at night. My dad's like, okay. So the emergency people were like, we're going to admit you in. Um, we'll get you a room soon. My dad's like, okay, I'm going to go get you food. And I'm going to go get you like stuff to stay the night or whatever. And take in mind that I was supposed to leave the next day. I was supposed to go home and I was supposed to work. This was, I think, a Wednesday. I was supposed to go home. Thursday and I was going to work that Friday or at a work meeting or whatever I don't know but so I was still thinking about that I was like oh my gosh how am I going to go to work but so anyways my dad leaves and then I'm like I have to pee really bad and I'm like I need to pee so I tell the doctor I need to pee and he's like okay we'll get you a bedpan they put this bedpan under me it looks like a toilet seat with a bottom to it a portable little toilet and I'm pushing, and I can't do it. I can't do it. Nothing comes out. But I'm like, I feel like I'm going to explode. I feel like I'm going to explode. So then they catheterize me. And not, a catheter is like this long little tube that they stick up your areas so that you can pee. And it's very humbling to be 18 years old and have this tube stuck up you that they give 90-year-olds. 
um, when they're too old or something. And I had to do this at 18. And then, so I finally get to pee. And then they're like, we're going to go take you to get x-rays. So I'm in the MRI and I'm just getting MRIs. And MRIs are loud. It's so, it's this, this loud buzz in your ear for about 45 minutes to get like one photo. And they let you listen to music. And it's cramped in there. It's hot. And they also put this weird stuff in your veins. And you feel it. And it's such... Just overwhelming. And I remember being there. And they're like, oh, what music do you want to listen to? And I said, Hillsong. And you know what funny song God put on for me? Oceans. So I'm sitting there listening to Oceans. While... I'm sandy and gross and in so much pain. And it was scary, but I felt peace. I felt peace through every single moment of this. Because I was like, God's got me, and I know I'm going to walk again. I, I had no fear or doubt that God was going to let me walk again. And I think that was the first time I really trusted Jesus. I was like, I'm going to walk again. Didn't know how it was going to work, but I was like, it's going to be okay. Well, finally, at like one in the morning, my dad is there waiting for me after the MRI because the MRIs take such a long time. And he gives me food, McDonald's, good old Mickey D's. I eat it, throw it up. And then I kind of, I think I just drifted off to sleep. My dad was like, okay, visiting hours are over. I'm going to go, but I'll be back in the morning to help out in any way that you need. Um, my mom was with my sister and my grandma, who both went on the trip, just, you know, holding the fort down there with them. And so I was in this room all alone in so much pain, unimaginable pain. And the nurses couldn't give me food. They couldn't give me because the, they weren't sure what to do because my diagnosis was cervical myelopathy in only 50 cases in the world. So they weren't sure how to go about it. And I just remember like crying to the nurses. And they're like, we're sorry. We don't know what to do. Anyways, it's 4 a.m. then. Get moved. I see you. And they're, I'm laying flat on the bed. Because they're like, it's best for your spine. We can't move the bed more than 16 degrees. You're going to stay li- lying down for two days. So for two days straight, I'm lying on my back. Unable to eat because... If you eat, you have to poop. And they can't risk me pooping because I'm going to strain my back. Um, and you're just lying. Can't eat. Can't really pee. Like the catheter, they have like one that you can stain you. is still in me. Just the whole thing. And it just sucks. Because I'm lying here. My mom, my sister, and my grandma all went home. My dad stayed because we have family in Hawaii. And so we were, my dad would come in every single day and visit me. And just stay with me the whole day and through the ICU. And it was hard because I literally start. I was there for such a long time. I knew the nurse's schedules. I knew when, which nurse would be there to visit me that day and who was there. And I got to hear their life stories, which was great, but it was really tough. And literally to go to the bathroom, they had to put me in a lift, which is literally this thing connected to the ceiling where they lift you to put you down wherever you need to go. And one of the greatest things was I got to meet Kim, 
Um, she is this nurse, a traveling nurse from Hawaii, and she is phenomenal, and she showed me so much love and kindness, and I'm just so thankful for her because going through that was so hard and was so scary, but she was really great. And she would visit me on when she got off her shifts, and she was just so kind. And everyone in Hawaii, the nurse is phenomenal. If you want to get her anywhere, I say get her in Hawaii because they're going to care for you, and they have the ohana. Um, I would wake up every morning, and I could call in what I wanted to eat that day. And um, the phone lady, I forget her name, but she was so kind to me. And I finally, on my last day, I got to call her, and I got to say bye to her. And that was kind of funny. But... Um, so I was hurt, and each day I would just sit in this bed, getting blood drawn, as they were wondering what to do for me. And this was, a week goes by, and they're like, okay, we're just gonna see a way to get you home, and we're not sure how that's gonna go. And then maybe, from home, you're gonna go straight to rehab, because we're gonna, your, your back is healing, because I got another MRI a week later, but we need to start getting your muscles back in action. And so it was just the sitting process sitting and not knowing when and in that time my dad and I watched all the Fast and Furious movies and it was kind of funny because I had prayed before the Lord that I wanted to spend more time with my dad and I got to just see his unwavering love and care for me because he literally dropped everything to, to, to stay in Hawaii with me so I wouldn't be alone and I like Jesus would do that for us too he drops everything to be with us he literally died on the cross to be with us um literally my dad spent father's day with me in the hospital and there's this picture of us eating pizza together and it was hard because my family and I were separated from each other my mom would call me every day and she was just so felt so helpless and I felt helpless and it was so hard because I wanted to be with these my family um just to kind of get a better idea to imagine what my legs not working was like imagine not being able to wiggle your toes or this is something you guys can do is to lie in bed sitting up straight or lying down and lift your legs up I couldn't do that I couldn't lift my legs up I couldn't even push like a step, like I couldn't, there was no pressure, I, I, my muscles were so, so weak, um, but through this all, people were praying for me still, which was so crazy, because those are the people who were supporting me and there for me, work, and the money that I had been making with work, that didn't support me, that wasn't there for me, it was the family of Christ, and the body of Christ, um, so I was in Hawaii for about two weeks, got to meet a lot of great people. I just got to meet so many good nurses with such big hearts. And I can say, though, that I got to leave Hawaii in an air, uh, a private jet. I left, they call it the air ambulance. It's a private jet. So it's me on a gurney and two pilots, my dad, and two two people to monitor my body, like my my vitals. And that's the whole plane. And it was really great that I just want to go back to Hawaii, though, was that so many little people came to visit me. And it was really great. And honestly, one of the greatest things that was really touching was that my neighbor, Mr. Art, um, 
he texted my dad and said, if there's anything that I can do, I'm here for you guys. Like, if you need me to fly out to Hawaii today and help you, I'm here for you. And that was so crazy to hear because, like, that's that's community. That's people who are there to support you. So I went to the air ambulance, and I went straight to Vallejo, and I went to straight to rehab. And rehab was a slap in the face. Rehab sucks. And this was... This was physical therapy rehab, not drug rehab. Um, in Hawaii, I got to shower every day. Um, I got to choose nice meals that were prepared really well. I got to meet really kind nurses that were caring for me. But in rehab, where I was, um, the rehab in itself was phenomenal. The people I got to work with were amazing. But the living arrangements freaking suck. You don't get a shower every day. You get a shower every three days. And everywhere you go, there's old people. Because they're all 60, 70, 80 recovering stroke patients. Um, I was also on my period this week. So not being able to shower was so horrendous. And it was just... My mental state was so low. Um... The food was not yummy, <laughs> but another way was like so many friends came and visited me and brought me good food and my parents, again, dropped everything and they came to Vallejo. We live in San Jose. That's like an hour and a half drive. They found um, a family friend that they got to stay with so that they could be with me every single day in rehab. When I was at my lowest, they were there to support me, and I'm so, so, so thankful. Um, but rehab was really hard because I was getting this physical strength, and it was really amazing and helping, and I was starting to, like, walk again. I had, like, ballet bars on both hands, and I was just holding my body, and it was like my body was reawakening and learning to walk again. And all those that helped me were so nice. They, like, signed a shirt for me, too, when I graduated. It was so great. But the nursing side was so hard. I had a UTI at this point. And so I was trying to get IV drip. And I remember that the late the nurse dropped the UV drip, the, the, the IV that's supposed to be plugged in my arm, which is not sanitary, and she just plugged it in. And so that made me feel disgusting. And then um, I, had to, I was trying to train myself to pee again so I was trying to get like catheters that you could remove um but they left the catheter in me which was really bad because it made me keep having a UTI because you're susceptible to like just bacteria and it was really hard but there was one nurse that was really sweet her name was Renee and so I, Renee if you ever hear this I really appreciate you but it was so hard and I just remember crying every single day <laughs> And one day, the 4th of July, um, they made us play basketball. I was in a wheelchair, and they're like, shoot it into the basket. And I was just started crying with my mom. Because I was like, is this what the rest of my life is going to look like? And it was really, really hard. Um, but I persisted through, and I finally... I was in rehab for nine days, and... 
I left on a walker and I made them teach my mom how to catheterize me because I was like, I need to leave. I want to leave. Um, but at the time I couldn't, I couldn't pee, but I, and I could barely walk, but I was like, I need to leave because the living arrangements were just so bad. Um, but I think the hardest thing was seeing people honestly for me because I had to have this new me. It was new me. I wasn't the way that they used to remember me. And, um, I remember distinctly, I was walking the block with my mom just to practice walking. And a man came up to me and was like, you're using a walker. Why are you using a walker? Because I had a spinal cord injury. So you couldn't see where I was hurt. I didn't have a cast. It was internal. And that was really tough. Um, by God's grace, though, I was able to make it to Biola with no walker. And I just want to say, though, like through that, I got to learn so much because I got to like sit in those times of me sitting there. I got to talk to God. And I got to see God through people. And it was tough. But I really repented to the Lord. And I think that's when I fell in love with Jesus. Because I saw what an amazing miracle he did for me when I didn't deserve it. And how good a God he was. And I saw him through all these people. And I just felt so free. When I was really in love with him, all the other things didn't matter and that was so good because I was like, God, if this is what the rest of my life looks like, this is what the rest of my life looks like. But I want it to be pursuing you and I want it to be chasing you. And so now I can walk. Thanks be to God. Um, I can't run. Just it's my it, if my legs just feel too heavy to do that anymore. And I still have. Um, it's like an overactive bladder. It's when you. And so I gained, regained the ability to go pee, but it happens super frequently now. And honestly, this is a big insecurity of mine now because I question if I can find love, which is still a thing I'm like struggling with with and talking to God about because I'm like, what if I go on a date and I have to go really bad and it's just going to be awkward or what's that going to be about? But... I just feel like I had to say that to be really candid. But I just still see through it all that God is so good. Um, so that's my story. Um, in the last podcast, though, I mentioned Mexico. So I felt that I should talk about it now. Um, so basically, in my time in rehab, in that whole story, which is tough and still ongoing, the st- struggles are still going, but it's still changed my life. And I'm so happy. I think I gained so much more than what I went through. Um, uh, I was supposed to go to Mexico, YWAM, Youth with a Mission. I was supposed to go to Mexico with my family, but I wasn't able to because I was hurt. So I was like, God, I I really want to serve there again. And so he opened up the opportunity that I could serve with Mission Adventures, which is their youth program in the summer as a summer staff. And honestly, it was the best summer I've ever had. I got to just meet so many different people. Like I have friends in Germany now and friends from Israel and friends from Minnesota because I never would have gone to Minnesota and met these people, but it's so amazing. And a funny little thing that I want to share is that I actually was surfing a lot there and I got to surf for a first the first time 
exactly a year after I got hurt. So on June 15th, 2022, I went surfing and it was really fun. And it was phenomenal. If any of you want to do that, I highly recommend, whether it be in Mexico or there's Youth with a Mission is all around the world, do it. Um, I got to love people and meet so many people and hear their stories, people of all ages, from adults to young kids, and hear what they were going through and also how God had been working their lives, and it was phenomenal. But one of my highlights was house building. And house building is when you, over the course of two to three days, you get to build a house for a family. And I got to build three houses this summer. And my favorite, one of the best memories I heard was a dad told us that they didn't even know how they're going to put food on the table for their family this week and now they have a house and with building a house we're able to also bless them with groceries and he just started crying because he was so grateful and that was absolutely insane to be able to see and witness and get to tell them how loved they are um And also in living in Mexico, I got to use Spanish, so I got to learn shop owners by name and share with them why I was here in Mexico and got to share with them how I was working with youth with a mission and serving God, which was so fun. And I also got to spend my birthday there um, in Mexico, and it was so phenomenal and amazing, and I had such a good time. So... And I just got to see God in so many different ways and in each and every situation So if you guys ever want to do YWAM, I really recommend doing it. You should, whether it be for a week trip or the school, which it's like a six-month thing, or just like what I did for the summer, do it. Because it's so good. Um, So yeah, that's just kind of a little about what Mexico was for me. And my next question that I've decided that I'm going to ask everyone who comes on the podcast is what's your favorite thing in life right now and I want to answer with being content with where I'm at I think so much of my life I was chasing after things but it's so nice to see that Jesus chases after us and I'm so content in my circumstances and how God is working in my life and I'm so grateful for that so it's, it's nice to be happy with where I'm at and trusting in the Lord for whatever the future brings. Um, so thank you so much for joining me this week for the episode of The Faith Show. Thanks for listening.